Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. Alrighty, and we are live back at it with another episode of Table Talk. Thank you so much for coming back to us. So we have another amazing guest episode, and I'm very, very excited about this one. We have two lovely, lovely guests. Please give me a little intro about you yourselves and what you do and where people can find you. Hello, adventurers. I'm Natalie Fuina. I am the editor-producer over at the Storyteller Squad. I'm also the game runner or keeper, as we like to say in our system. And you can find me at Natalie Fuina, F-U-I-N-H-A. And we are at Story Squad Cast. And I'm here with my lovely cast member, Mel. Mel, take it away. Hi, friends. I'm Mel Lee. You can find me on most socials as Mellow Edge. I am the social media manager and cast member of the Storyteller Squad. I play Ariel Valentine and Natalie, can I say this one now? Can I can I say can I say the second one now? This Am is I probably to do that? yeah. Look, well, are we when's it coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's safe to come out on that. <laughs> oh, honey, I did that years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a secret character who may or may not have been revealed that they are back in the story. And that's enough of a clue you're going to get out of us here. <laughs> Oh, spicy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we we had the lovely, lovely privilege of meeting y'all at PAX Unplugged. And Mel and I saw each other from across the room and like the, the instant recognition in <laughs> yeah. our eyes because you you recognize me from my days like as Raina. <laughs> and we yes. forever. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait, holy shit. <laughs> it was I, so good. I think I specifically said, I was like, your face. I know your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's just like right across like the Marriott bar. It was so good. Also, Natalie, you have a whole radio voice and it is it is fantastic. Phenomenal. I know what I need to do. Well, listen, listen, I've already been flustered by another guest. And I'm I'm fine for it to happen again. Yeah, listen, the bi panic is real and it's fine. Listen, if you want some other voices, I got the me and Mel are both not <laughs> listen i have to listen to this woman like flirt with our friends on the regular so it's i i'm not used to it still and uh that's, that's it's been all fine and okay because i do the same exact thing with my girls absolutely and yeah. I, I do i do have the dom energy and i do flip that shit on and they yeah. are they're shook yeah all it um, platonic doms me in life and I'm not so <laughs> character <laughs> it's it's a good superpower to have it honestly it's very efficient to have like in a space yeah especially when y'all are we're we're, ro- we're rocking through that dating sim like nobody's business yeah um, i recently was told by uh one of our cast members natalie i know you're not but if you ever tried being a dom you'd be really good at it and i had right? to sit with that fact and go yeah yeah, I would be. I was not there for the conversation. I'm not going to out the person in our okay. cast who told me that, okay. but. Okay. Fine. I mean, I'll find but, it later. <laughs> but what is a GM if you are not just platonically doming your friends at the table on, on top of time? Dungeon master, okay, Dungeon maybe master. a little bit sexual. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cro- yeah. Crossover is practically a circle. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a sliver of difference, <laughs> just just barely, and you do have to enhance that shit to find the one pixel of difference, <laughs> yeah. but it's there. 
Oh my god. Absolutely. That's what safety tools are for. Yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah, that is mm-hmm. what safety tools are for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you guys are on Storyteller Squad. We got to meet some of, some of the rest of your cast as well. And I think I recently literally just like yelled at y'all across the internet because I saw your character art, your updated character art. So oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Emery did an incredible job. We love Emery so much. <laughs> Yeah, the speed at which I followed mm-hmm. them <laughs> is insane. <laughs> like, he deserves all the love. Broke my phone. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're hoping to break some sound barriers as people hit the follow button. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, 100%. And it is well-deserved because, yeah, the all, I literally binged, like, all of their work on their Instagram. And I was like, this is insane. Like, this I is so good. Require more food. Yeah. I think they have one picture that I saw that was, a like, a bar full of vampires of all different like dresses like there's like vamp- mm, like interview i'm gonna send you that one because yeah. obviously vtm stuff yeah. but it's like it's like a, an old style bar with like the little curly q mustache bartender and all of these different vampires of different like times and aesthetics yeah and then but underneath the bar was all the people that were being sapped of their blood and it's on tap and all the tap has like the blood type phenomenal crazy how oh yes i know what you're talking about and our fall of london game crazy yeah crazy how that's just going to become a thing in our vtm game yeah <laughs> but we wanted to talk a little bit about monster of the week which i've never played oh Natalie, you want to explain monsters yeah, or do you want me to explain monster well, of the week? <laughs> yeah okay so both of you have never played before no Okay, Monster of the Week is a powered by the apocalypse system, meaning it takes a lot of its like core rules and mechanics from Apocalypse World by McGay and Vincent Baker. Did I get that right, Mel? Yeah, you got it. I met them. I should remember their names, but there's so many names to remember in this space. But yeah, so it uh, Monster of the Week, however, was written and produced by Michael Sands and Evil Hat Productions. And it's basically a game that tries to let you run games such that they feel very much like 90s serial you know episodes of shows like Buffy or Supernatural or even like the X-Files that kind of thing got that like bit of like campy 90s sci-fi slash paranormal horror built into it but it also very much like can expand beyond that into the realms of like Hellboy Constantine or Mm -hmm. go a little softer into like Gravity Falls or, Scooby-Doo. Um, Scooby-Doo, the Netflix show Hilda, if you're familiar with that one. I love Hilda. It's Natalie essentially, got me Hilda and I'm obsessed. Oh, it's so good. But it <laughs> okay. is essentially a system that is very well equipped to handle fantasy and paranormal and like horror, but set in a modern setting. Mm-hmm. So real world locations, real world places, or, you know, made up adjacent equivalencies. Um, so our our starting town is called Autumn Falls because I'm gay um yeah but it is it is based on a town called maple falls which is an actual place in washington um so yeah and then we we do all sorts of towns and things like that and other shows and campaigns do similar stuff there was oh what is the one from monster hour our friends over at monster hour. i think their town was called firmament in colorado and i don't know if there's a real yeah. firmament but that's you know another one mm-hmm. so yeah so it I mean, it breaks from the typical like d20 style systems all the way down to the dice because you're rolling 2d6 there is a a success like scaling system as opposed to you succeed you fail so in monster of the week it's a on a six or lower is a miss they don't even call it a failure technically um because sometimes you're encouraged to fail forward 
um, and to allow that to happen as the keeper, such that like if you roll a miss, your character might do what they wanted to, but then a consequence will make it such that like you really shouldn't have done that thing or you really didn't want to do that thing. You just didn't have complete information or you'll discover some new information that makes your success at that one thing suddenly insignificant compared to the new like plot bomb you've been hit with. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's also like a level of um, positivity kind of added to failures like that in terms of that you yeah. gain experience by rolling six and under. And so you rack those up very easily for like more level ups and more cool things. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the kids on bike or like the the Candela Obscura mechanics yeah. now mm-hmm. is, is a little similar because those are also, I, th- I believe, well, no, kids on bikes is a different is different dice system, but it is like a fail forward situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Candela is like a D6. And so like I think a six is a complete success. Five and yeah, four like are partial. Yeah, at a cost. Like, yeah. yeah. I believe Candela uses a dice pool, whereas this game mm-hmm. and other like is quote unquote the- powered by the apocalypse is a combined roll of the two yeah yeah bzm is also is also pools of the eights which is so interesting i've been trying to explore new systems because i'm i'm currently in the process of doing the world building like a completely homebrew thing for like when we do do an actual play Mm -hmm. in the future Mm -hmm. and i'm very i have my heart set on the fact that it will not be a dnd fifth edition system yeah um so Mm -hmm. i want to explore other options and i'm thinking like the mcdm one that's coming out Mm -hmm. i just saw that it looks very yeah it looks so cool and that one i do know is also a 2d6 system mm-hmm. with mm. with some additional dice as well from what i saw like i think occasionally d4s and d8s or something like that mm-hmm. don't quote me i might be wrong but yeah I, i'm in portions of the video and i immediately like i got to the po- point where i was like it's very role play heavy and the combat is a lot more dynamic and all these other things and i was like sold <laughs> All the information I require. <laughs> All yeah. the information. I yeah, I mean, depending on what you're like looking to do specifically with your campaign, there's a whole host of systems out there already. Like, no. I mean, if you want to do pirates, you might want to do like 7C or something. Or like, if you want to stick with like Power by the Apocalypse and you want to be like extra flurry with your friends, maybe like thirsty sword lesbians. I don't know. God, I've been dying for thirsty sword le- yeah. lesbians. Like, you would not Dang. believe that final pro- opportunity to just throw my hat in a ring. Yeah. God, so so good. And I, I did want to ask. So like, I've never. Well, aside from like say VTM, but even then, we don't in our VTM. It's very court politicky, so we're yeah. not really in the There's real not world. A ton at least not that right now. Partly for to give y'all and myself grace. Yeah. And so I will just kind of. I mean, it will very quickly get up where you're starting to use your disciplines and you're starting to have mm-hmm. like to roll dice pools. Probably like. I need to prep what everyone else's dice pools would be, right? <laughs> um, and so I've just been setting, like, arbitrary challenge ratings yeah. in my head. But definitely, like, yeah, they have, like, VTM has, like, a three rounds and out system for combat. So effectively, I mean, you don't have to do it like this. You can do, like, a full 5 style showdown. But it is to keep it focused on the narrative. You're encouraged to, like, you make your dice pools. You do a contest of three roles and yeah. whoever's the victor of those three they win the combat oh yeah but Which i like a lot because yeah. it keeps it quick yeah and our setting there is like it is technically it's technically the past but like modern like it like is real like, world yeah it's a uh, right 2012 uh london like mm-hmm. i'm taking a lot of liberties with the fall of london like ip and i'm really just sort of using it I'm focusing a lot more. The Inquisition is not a factor right now because I want vampire core politics. I don't. And want... we got to be gay and romance vampires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want like 
you have to a lot for time for gay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I won't like always <laughs> a lot time for gay. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I also like ever, all my players came up with like really interesting arcs and like things that I've hooked into the story now that I want to explore. And then kind of how we're doing with Strixhaven, we're each going through an arc. And then at the end, of, like after we kind of go through each of y'all's mm-hmm. arcs, I think then the Inquisition will become more of a pressing force. And wherever the politics are, where it's like who's in power and who you choose to support and who you choose to not support, that will play into how that affects, mm-hmm. you know, the... Uh, the Inquisition's role. You mentioned how, like, you would prefer a faster combat. I'm, like, sort of coming into this idea in my, like, gaming philosophies, I suppose, since everyone has to have those now with this bloom of new systems. The thing I like about Monster of the Week and other PBTA games is that combat is just a role you make. It's not like a phase you enter. So Mm. when you run Monster of the Week and people are fighting, yeah, they're fighting, but, like, in the middle of that fight, you could just stop. And have a conversation and start making like the social roles or the investigatory roles and like explore more. And then maybe the fight picks up again or maybe you've completely ended it just by like starting to talk to someone instead. So it feels very much less like the sound effect when you like hit a wild Pokemon. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. we gotta find out. Like, I'm locked no, in this, now. Is, oh, this is much more cinematic. It's just a fight is happening, but scenes can continue to happen at the same time. So I'm, yeah, I mean, a great example of that was like one of the last recordings that we did, which I can't say anything because spoilers, but also like very specifically, my character ran off to like do something entirely different from the fight, but the fight is still happening. But she's like, nah, I'm not here right now. I'm going to go do this other thing. So I I do enjoy that quite a bit. It's like that moment in Baldur's Gate where like some of your party has been engaged in combat, but there's yeah. one that's left out of combat. And you're like, I'm just going to run around this shit with this person. Mm-hmm. Combat's going to stay paused. Nobody's going to move while I go do some other shit and just yep. don't get an initiative. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Honestly, I'm mood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, dynamic. Dynamic combat is definitely something I'm I'm more looking for because we as as much as role play hoes as we are we do genuinely enjoy combat especially oh, yeah. when it's run yeah. well oh yeah and like there are elements of satisfaction in that crunch and knowing that you've like done something really cool mechanically and like i still want elements of that oh, for um sure. and but it is like i think the thing i liked about like the ncdm video that i was watching was how he mentioned like you always hit it's just mm-hmm. a degree of how much progress you're making and how yeah, hard right. you hit versus how much progress the enemies are making. Yeah. Um, Cause everybody hits every time like you and mm-hmm. the enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I like that because it, it feels like the combat's always going to be rolling. Combat's always going to be like changing. And I think another thing you mentioned was that, um, you know, it's, co- it's much more collaborative mm-hmm. because the, the group gets to decide who goes next yeah, there's not like a turn. set initiative. Yeah. And you decide it every, like, you decide, the party decides who goes in what order each round. And then the DM does the same with all the enemies. And exactly. Stuff. That is very similar to a lot of Power by the Apocalypse games, including Mod Really? Week, is that there's no initiative. Like, I run Glitter Hearts, which is like magical girls and transforming heroes. And again, it's also Power by the Apocalypse no initiative order it's you go when you feel called to when it feels applicable to the scenario when you've got a good idea you know so I think you've hit upon like a key difference there though mel just by explaining it further like yeah. there is no there's no order at all yeah. powered by the apocalypse like yeah. if if mcdm right if matt's game is saying that like every round you switch up the order it's like okay but you're still 
dis, like Taking you're defining order. an order, right? Yeah. That has to be followed. Whereas in you know most PBT games that I've played, it's yeah. less about like everyone gets a turn, and it's more like you should be wanting a turn. So as long as everyone is like doing a good job of sharing the spotlight, and your keeper is you know moving that focus around and making sure everyone does get a chance to do something it flows much more like a like a dance almost it's, yeah. It's a, yeah it's like a back and forth a little bit more as opposed to like okay we have to like pause the flow or the momentum of this scene that's happening in order to like figure out this like mechanical thing it's just sort of like you want to do this okay cool and then someone says oh i have this really good idea it's like okay and either you know the keeper says we'll get to you next or they say oh, yeah what is it be back off the top of that you know yeah so and in addition yeah. to that what i like about monster of the week and a few other power by the apocalypse games by extension because disclaimer have not played all of them i'm working on it um <laughs> like <laughs> just gunning your way through them like listen okay like here's the thing about power by the apocalypse then i'll get back to my thought like once you've played one game that is under that umbrella, it's not terribly difficult to pick up, up to other the... games. Like, yeah. there's going to be differences because everybody is, like, reinterpreting those base mechanics and core concepts to suit their vision. And so, yeah, you still need to read through, like, the core rulebook and get an understanding of what we're going for here. But at the end of the day, you'll start to recognize some terminology like holds and things like that, that will just start to feel familiar and help you get into a rhythm of transitioning between games. That being said, there's a whole other conversation about how, you know, some people try to shoehorn their games into that, you know, framework and it doesn't mm. work. But like, that's, that's another conversation for another time, you know, but, um, oh shoot, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, yeah. what was I talking about? Combat. <laughs> combat, yes. Combat, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other interesting thing about combat is so you know how in DD, right because mm -hmm. i think we're all DD girlies here to some degree um yeah recovering uh, recovering yeah <laughs> yeah um no i DD is fine DD is fine and i will say <laughs> i'll let you continue in a minute like Go there's ahead. nothing wrong with crunchy combat i don't have a personal <gasps> grudge against it i don't prefer it and i certainly don't prefer it when it comes to like turning those games into content but it mm -hmm. is fine as a like way to play a game of pretend with your friends to have that as an element yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway, so the thought that i was going to do that i finally remembered yay was that in monster of the week and again in some power by the apocalypse games by extension you're not limited to action bonus action movement etc 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 if you've got like three ideas as long as your keeper is cool with it you can hit on all three of those things like in one go again it's very like fluid and loose and allows for in my opinion a lot more creativity not to say that there's no creativity in dnd &D. there's absolutely creativity in dnd &D. i have seen our castmate durs do some absolutely wild things in dnd &D. he's a maniac in the best way possible um <laughs> i like I could go on a whole tangent about just Durs alone, but I do enjoy that if it's like, hey, I've got two things I kind of want to hit on right now. Can we can we do both of those? It's like, yeah, why not? You know, uh, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to wait to the next round. Some people are able to some people are able to like bounce around within the confines of like, like you say, like the the parameters right of a thing and really like end up with crazy outcomes and other people benefit more from a, like you say a more loose just sort of like whatever you can imagine mm -hmm. sort of scenario yeah it's it's like it, it's more phrasing mm -hmm. <laughs> for for experience going on the internet or for experienced <laughs> role players and people who who need less of that outline i feel like the shift from 5e to 
powered by the apocalypse systems feels sort of like taking the training wheels off a little bit mm -hmm. because there's not as much there saying like, well, this is how you simulate physics. It's like we all know how physics is simulated and make believe pretend stories about heroes and adventures yeah. like physics and RPGs. What are you talking about? We can, we can not gamify that. Yeah. You're like, so. there's fucking magic out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's also there's this like assumed competence on the side yeah. of the the GM towards the players and their characters where like often like probably more often than I should I will just let the characters do what they want to do because it's like there's nothing interesting about making you roll to achieve this thing you're trying to do that's just you're like yeah your character can do that we have seen them do things more complicated and like more difficult than that in the past and there is nothing that me saying like your die result said you couldn't that's going to make this more fun or interesting. So just that happens. Let's get to the next thing where I'm going to say that sounds challenging. Now roll to see how you do. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say I was like because I'm starting to be much more interested obviously in exploring new systems especially highlighting like this podcast and talking to so many mm -hmm. new people and getting exposed to so many new systems. I like how do you I guess like the how do I phrase this? I'm also now thinking about my phrasing. Here we go. Um, <laughs> the okay, so there's the there's that feeling of reward, right? Whenever you are asked for a check and you make it, yeah. Obviously, versus like the that feeling of loss or you know like oh you didn't get it this time or whatever, and then you are left kind of right. wondering like oh what did I miss or whatever. Mm -hmm. How do you dictate that same degree of reward with your players in something that is more narrative and less limiting? Like I. I love the sound of that, but I'm I'm wondering like how like what dictates whether I'm gonna give this information freely versus you have to earn this, you know, as a GM. A lot of it has to do with what I have in mind, right? Mm -hmm. If I have like a, a plan for the session, and I, I plan more like for our game of Monster of the Week than I would for a like home game, again, because we're making it for content. And so there's a lot yeah. more like I need to have some idea of where the story's going or it will not make a good episode. So yes. there's a little bit of a disconnect between like my advice when it comes to like, here's what you should do if you're making an actual play. Here's what you should do if you're just playing at home with your friends. But in general, I think still applying that like narrative first, freer system kind of mentality that like in both cases, when you do ask for those roles, right? The payoff of, you know, succeeding or failing, even if it's a fail forward, is going to feel more impactful because you haven't been asked to roll until this one very specific thing. And again, usually yeah. I'm trying to find the thing that will like make those stakes suddenly go, oh, I got to I got to sit up in my chair. I got to get yeah. a different die because I, I rolled well on the last one and I want a, a better chance. Like, on this the next guy hates you know? right. getting thrown out. So, yeah. one. so the infrequency, <laughs> yeah, that that like you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder concept of like, the less you do it, when you do end up rolling, ooh, it really matters. And like, yeah. those results will really feel uh, impactful. It makes that also, yeah. Yeah. But that also being said, I would say playing in this kind of game for a long time now, you care or you start to care less about that I did it, I won kind of feeling. It's more of like, oh, my character got to do that thing. That's so cool because it sets up my friend whose character is about to do this other thing. Or even, oh my gosh, I didn't do it. 
oh, that's going to be so bad for them. Uh And isn't that delicious? Uh Yeah, I don't know you're talking about at all, Natalie. I wasn't failing left and right in the zero. I'm not making big examples for my cast member who's sitting right here at the table. (laughs) (laughs) I listen, I failed so much when we did our like little prelude episode. So we put out this like two parter. It was supposed to be a one shot, but we got too lost in the RP sauce. And like, it's so as, as one does. And this girl, was failing left and right. Granted, she's not really a magic-y person and she was trying to do magic to like cover her ass. But to say I got a lot of sixes and leveled up by the end of that is oh my God. the, the simple uh, summaries to to <laughs> explain that up, how that episode went for me. <laughs> so it was so much fun though. It, it caused a lot of problems. We actually like to um put silly little nicknames in our, in our Zoom call when we record. So I literally had written myself in as Val, aka the problem. Uh so <laughs> I am in fact the drama theme the entire session. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Yeah. I feel like I feel like for us, like I mean we we me me and my players like we started on DD. We've been playing DD. We mm. are still currently on DD, technically, by the skin of our teeth. There's a lot of things I like about DD. Yeah, we're still, know, using, yeah we're still using the 5e like mechanics and all that, but like it's it's very homebrew. I've thrown that book yeah. out the window. It's fine. Out of um, curiosity, did you start with 5e or 3.5e? Because I started with 3.5e. We both oh started with 5e. Oh, okay. yeah. Lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard yeah. tales tales and myths and legends of what three of the ye old. Like I, I have some nostalgia for three point five e. It was like the first my first mm-hmm. exposure to D anD D. But then as soon as that GM had like moved away and like went back to his home state, the next person who stood who like stepped up to GM was like, "Nah, guys, we're doing five e because three point five e. I cannot keep up with." And we're like, "Okay, no problem." And I was like, "Wow, this is so I, much easier." I heard it's a lot of crunch and a lot of numbers. Which yeah, I'm too. Yeah, off. Mm-hmm. I'm barely making it as it is. Um, <laughs> so that's so yeah. fair. <laughs> uh, our game itself, like even though we do stick to like the tradition it's it's definitely a hundred percent much more narrative because we're we're predominantly role-playing most of the time so really the roles that i'm asking for are those like persuasion insight perception like things to see if you notice see if you the reactions or things about it. the social aspects of the game right or like yeah charisma persuasion all that good stuff and like we'll we'll get to to combat every now and then but it's still mostly narrative based so we're not playing too hardcore into the existing mechanics unless we are in those combat scenarios yeah and 90 percent of the time even when we are in combat like I'm very much a like I like it for do it for the plot situation. So even if like it's not technically mechanically allowed, if some if one of y'all has pitched me something that is fucking cool, I will yeah. at least give you like the chance to break the rule and I'll be like, roll me a D20 right now. Let's see if you can do it. Yeah. And if it, yeah. And if it goes and then I'm like, yeah, sure, you fucking do that thing. I don't give a fuck about your action economy. I don't give a fuck what you just did that would say that you can't do this. Yeah. Um, because like fuck it. And it's good for the, it's good for the plot. <laughs> yeah, I personally love like giving things in exchange to like make a thing happen. So uh, Natalie and I actually know each other through a mutual DM. He like started this super big expansive 
D&D campaign where it's like multiple arcs are taking place in the same world and at some point everyone's gonna like come together to do like I don't know what but it's been going on for years yeah maybe fight Tiamat I don't know Um, (laughs) but that's how Natalie and I originally first met and you know one of my most recent sessions with him like last year I was like hey hey Vinny um can I take like three exhaustion points to do this thing and he's like yeah and i'm like okay cool thank you like you know i'm like let me yeah. do violence against myself for the plot oh 100 um, i live for that shit <laughs> yeah succeeding at a cost is really really cool yeah me. yeah i did i did that in one in like our western horror campaign uh because i was like that one is one that we are like the combat has me by the fucking throat the entire time and it's one of the only situations in which i've been so fucking into it because he truly is so good at running it and like keeping us at the edge of our fucking seat the whole time and we're we are literally like pulling our fucking a game out there i'm like that is the only time i've ever been looking at my fucking character sheet and i'm like out here like a war strategist Mm -hmm. trying to play that shit um i love that he's brought that out in us but yeah, there was a point where like I'm out of spell slots. We're still in the shit. And like there was this whole thing he had where there was like a pet cemetery. We're like facing this hag. There was like a pet cemetery and all of the oh, pets have like conglomerated into this like bone golem situation. And it yeah. was as we downed other enemies, it was absorbing them. Um, there was these giant like eldritch deer huge and when we downed one, it like absorbed it and it became this massive thing. Horrible horrible minotaur thing so like all my party members are basically inside except for like mariah's who had who had just been down barely got up yeah type deal and i'm out there and by my basically by myself facing this giant eldritch minotaur bone thing no spell slots to my fucking name and i look at him i'm like what and like i remembered last minute that he was like if you take exhaustion i'll let you do a thing and i was like hey if i take exhaustion can I get my turn on dead back because I already used it? Yeah. And he's like, we'll roll for it. And I think we got, I th- I think he rolled the, like a big chunk on the table That's open and I, we got like a nat 20 and we fucking screamed. We were playing in a game store. So like, all oh no. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what's happening? What's happening? And all they see is like little Christmas reindeer <laughs> that he bought at, oh a, at a store. <laughs> Michael's are right. <laughs> Most but, horrifying Christmas deer you'll ever most come across. Most horrifying Christmas deer. And I, but we were so hyped about it. And I was like, I will gladly take this exhaustion. And like, we basically just in that saved our asses because otherwise yeah. we would have just been gone. So, oh, yeah. Cause it like regained all those hit points after it absorbed something. Yeah. So, it's so like, we were like, we oh, don't fuck. Have, yeah. We don't have anything. <laughs> that is awful. Thanks. Yeah. I hate it. Oh, yes. Natalie, please don't, don't take no. Wild <laughs> Why do you think I'm so yeah. quiet right now? Oh my god, that's how I see how this notepad appeared in my hand. Yeah. Oh no. Shout out, <laughs> shout, shout out to Teddy for putting us through some some of the most ringer combats we've ever been through, but it's so fucking fun. Ugh, I love it. Yeah, no. But like, I don't know. For us, I think I I've just now gotten into the swing of like how to run my combats and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, again, I'm not a numbers girly. I didn't know how to make balance encounters. I was like, this shit feels too easy, but I also don't want to go too ham and just kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what the fuck do I do? Stride in like my arc finale. Yeah. That was re- that was really good combat. And yeah. it could have gone a lot of different ways and it was still very fluid and... And it still had narrative stuff in it. Because yeah. like y'all still... I, I love having a combat and somehow mid-combat you'd like talk your way out of it. 
you know, like roll oh God, an no. intimidation, roll a persuasion, whatever. Yeah. My like, yeah. my favorite thing in like combat is when you can make those moments to be like dramatic on main and like dive in front of somebody to protect them and stuff like that and just be like very, very dramatic and very tragic. Oh, yeah. Um, whore for the trauma. Yeah. And there's like literally a move in Monster of the Week that's called Protect Somebody. And I'm just, yes, oh, I, I want to use this. I haven't used it yet, but I really want to. <laughs> I love that. I yeah, no. dramatic. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big sacrificial lamb girly. I'm like, yes. you know, that's applicable both in life and in fantasy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> love to see it. Oh, I love that. So for yours, like how how do you kind of tackle adding that element of like this is a air quotes real world setting with the fantasy like elements kind of tied in there or the supernatural elements rather with Monster of the Week? Mel, do you want to go first? I think you should go first. <laughs> <laughs> I Monster of the Week appeals to me because it hits a very like specific genre that I really enjoy. I don't know why, but like I find, you know, the like almost like tongue in cheek nature of taking like fairy tales and fantasy and being like, yeah, dwarves. Actually, it's this guy at the newspaper stand. <laughs> isn't that cute like but kind of cool if you think about it in like a broader sense like dwarves could be anywhere like and same with literally every other fantasy trope or character or creature right like the idea of them having been around for the stories of you know high fantasy in the past but having adapted and figured out their place in the world as it has like grown and moved forward along with humanity's you know advancement uh with technology and cities and society and stuff just really like i don't know i love that i think that's great i think it is a way to show like that you know as much as like humanity has impacted the world like there are certain things about it that are never going to change and will be around like way longer than any person right and so like i try to evoke that feeling when it comes to my fantasy and like the the characters that i populate our world with of like you know they were around and then they like saw y'all doing this and they were like okay for now it's this thing but like it might change again and what's that gonna look like and so for me i think it, it i pull a lot on just that like personal love and appreciation for like natural spaces and i do a lot of like animal stuff or like i think like this like the you know core representative spirit of like certain animals are like important aspects to the storytelling and like mm. extending that even into like mythical creatures like dragons and you know sea serpents and and other things and also because we are monster of the week into like cryptids and like what if what if sasquatches are like a whole society that are just like kind of like okay well, we'll just keep it on the down low that we're here like <laughs> you know um we're just really quiet introverted people and we yeah braid each other's hair in we peace just just gotta have live in the woods because we like log cabins like you yeah. know <laughs> what if what if moth man was actually moth madam and like super hot and um Mid you know had a very successful business yeah moth mommy <laughs> As um, we should we do have that we have I love <laughs> love a lot. I love Tommy. That's so cute. Oh yeah. So like but also that, our show. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish it. I was just gonna say our show totally doesn't have any environmentalist themes whatsoever. What? What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> we do do a lot of threats and problems. What? Because again, it's it's. I like the idea of you know the quote unquote monsters being 
mostly friendly. And mm-hmm. so like we do have antagonists and and you know creatures and and problems in the world that are just like, yep, no, they're downright evil and bad. But I include a lot of, you know, what I guess you could call source material as like allies and friends to the characters. And so then you have to say, well, all right, if Mothman and Sasquatch and the Lake Moth, like if those are all pretty like net neutral characters that aren't gonna like be causing the problem, what are the things that are causing the problem? And then you start looking into way more obscure cryptids and creatures and you start to think like less in terms of like stuff. yeah like what monster is it going to be and it's more like what person is causing a problem for a monster and our heroes have to go and help the monster instead yeah or two monsters are having a fight and they got to mediate and no one's really wrong but there's an, a conflict going on right like and sort of evolving the i guess very like basic story structure of like monster equals problem to like problem monsters are around now what? And I don't know. I just I've re- figured out this formula, I guess, in terms of how my brain comes up with stories and imagines when I get to just like sit and play as a world, you know, writer, creator and just say like, OK, I'm going to pick this like really interesting national park or I'm going to find this like cool geographic feature somewhere within like the bounds of our story and say, what's going on there? What could be mm. the problem? Come up with a bunch of things, see what fits, see what doesn't, and then just fill out the cast of characters that are existing in that spot while this issue is happening and then say, okay, heroes, go go see what you add to the mix there and see what you would either add helpfully or in you know a less helpful way, depending on. Or game. cause chaos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Causing chaos. Don't know anything about that. What? <laughs> I would never, never. That's, that's, that's my thing. I, I find I find the world we live in, despite the many problems it has, still beautiful and, you know, containing these almost magical places still somehow. And that like resilience is really cool. And I like to bring that out in our theming. Awesome. Yeah. I very I very much love to play on I've done this a lot like in our in our home game where and I've talked about this before, where when it comes to like building out villains and and finding their motivations or like who are going to be the antagonists in these scenarios. I like to play in a very big realm of gray in that villains are villains, depending on the side of the coin that you're on mm-hmm. and the interactions that you have with them. Mm-hmm. And so there's people that are very friendly to the players that are for sure, not super kosher people. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm currently running an OSRP scene with, a friend of ours, Oak, he's running his character who is like an uncle to my character, but he's also torturing a woman for information. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Because so he, hey. like, he is like a, a like a downright criminal. Yeah. He's a whole ass yeah. criminal that like works. He's like an Eldridge Mafia boss. And so. But he, to your character, you're like, that's uncle. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, ba- that, yeah, that's her like, surrogate parent at this point. Yeah. And then like I lo- what I did with the Mariah's arc is like I very much red herringed everybody in the beginning because yeah. they're in the college that she was in the witherbloom college which was very much like the nature it's like a whole college that's like in a forest basically and so everything is like built in that nature there's two deans and then there's the dean of growth lisette and then there's the dean of decay which i reskinned him because i think in strixhaven it's a, the, a, the dean of the vein and he was a vampire yeah and i was like mm, nah like i can do better yeah i can do better. <laughs> Um, and so I made him the Dean of Decay and he is this, he is very much a, uh, my lore behind him is that he is like, well, actually I can't say that because you're right here. Never mind. Um, <laughs> spoilers. 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 
But what you what you, what she does know is That's that he so is, alarming that he that apparently there's more. <laughs> cool. Um, but he is an amalgamation of all of the things that have killed him in the past. So he when he like when, when something kills him, he revives by absorbing them. And so he looks like a monster. He has a like a dead deer skull for a face. And he's got like four arms and wings and tails and talons and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And when he drew it, he's a druid. And when he wild shapes, it is like a very eldritchy version. Oh, is he a druid? He is a druid. You haven't seen you haven't seen him wild shape. It's terrifying. Was that what he did at the final Hmm. fight? Was that not wild shaping? No, that's just his monster form. Okay, cool. Cool. Good for him. (laughs) I'm seeing a lot of absorption themes in your gaming experience. There's something to unpack here. Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. That character is also like a scary uncle. My like my character just be collected scary dog privilege. Scary dog privilege for sure. Incredible. But it was very much like the the clear, you know, the the stereotypical line of thought was towards him especially in regards to what was mm-hmm. going on with her character because she's a reborn and there's like all this stuff about necromancy and whatever yep. so it was very clear like it's got to be this guy versus it was actually Lisette who is like you know the the world's most powerful healer and she's very she has this outward appearance of being mm-hmm. very caring and yep. and doting and light and all of these things but then lo and behold she's got like all this she's underground bullshit going on running a full like necromancy lab yeah. killing untold numbers of people to try to resurrect them because she was trying to be able like her skirt, lover, skirt around the limitations yeah. of true resurrection her, yeah her lover had died and her lover was a my Anya's a vengeance paladin to a death god that we homebrewed and mm-hmm. she's the champion of that death god but the death god's previous champion was her lover. was uh Lisette's lover and uh, so it was a thing of like he did not want to come back he's like fully let me go and let me nor go, is, like, is he able to because live his in god. the land with my god and the god and his god's like even if you want to go back you're not fucking going back because once you cross over the mortal coil your soul belongs to me so the insult of like Lisette being the most powerful to, healer and like yeah. resurrector and couldn't bring her lover back. And then he allowed all like McCall, their her Anya's god and Lor- Lorcan, Lisette's lover's god. Allowed we all- love a villain with attachment <laughs> issues. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we totally don't deal so with good. this in our latest arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I loved I love that element of it and like I just have a soft spot for monsters as as we know and Same I was like man. it was so fun to watch I'll be like yo that man is creepy as fuck and I'm like that's baby girl it is baby yeah. girl yeah we love and a switcheroo like, <laughs> love him dearly there was a very very cute scene it was deeply traumatic but in retrospect very cute where like what the amalgamation of what Lissetta turned Anya's parents into because they were all kidnapped and like while Anya was killed and resurrected her parents weren't they were killed, tortured, killed, and then like sewn together into a weird. I went full out at Metal Alchemist. Oh, it was rough. Dang. And so there was like a moment where that creature came into that final fight, and then like Anya's god used Valentine as sort of like a vessel to project himself onto to like help her up after her fucking homo- what was left of her homunculus parents waddled in. And, <laughs> waddled like, in is that not a waddled? Waddled <laughs> not inaccurate, which is horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, and there was like a very sweet moment of Valentine being like, "I can help you end this quickly" because he's like, "I'd be having all the arms." So it's like, yeah, I got all the arms, all the teeth. Yeah, he's like, "No one fucking touch me because if you touch me, I will absorb you. If you do any harm to me, yeah, 
So everyone back the fuck up. Let me do this thing. There was like a moment of comic relief in that fight. Like when, because like Valentin was being kind of his energy like sucked into like a corpse flower because the set was going to use basically his life force to do more function. And so after we freed Valentin, Ollie gave like our other players who like weren't right there by him um, like around to basically get the fuck out of the way where he was just like fucking move. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this is a big monstrous Dean. And they're like, cool, you have your entire you have a da- a movement and a dash to get out of his way <laughs> yeah. to not be where he is going. Yeah. And like w- the one character that was like right in front of this monster at the doorway was like say fucking less and like just yeah you, them you get a free dash and disengage i mean out you're screaming with this thing on top of me yeah <laughs> oh yeah but like uh i i love playing in those areas of like i don't know i've just always had a soft spot for monsters and like having the unsuspecting person be yep. the villain and like realizing their motivations and and all of that well and i've like playing around with that with anya as well of like her seeing herself as a monster less alive or less human because of what she is now mm-hmm. and trying to come to terms with that and you know she had lost her memories and had to reclaim them like it's just yeah there's a lot around like what makes us human and what caused you to lose your humanity mm-hmm. and the different ways that that can show up is is very fun yeah and something that i i like playing around with a lot yeah dang <laughs> we be out I here like on, we be out like here on the stories. trauma there's a reason i fully Tra- trauma stories masquerade yeah mm. in your guys's like vampire games i know you're saying you're like avoiding the inquisition and that sort of thing do you find yourselves looking to avoid like real world like topics where like no one has come up with an answer yet no not so much of like i think for me one i mean so like the Fall of London book comes with sort of a set adventure of like how like there are certain you should have your players play these characters who slot really nicely into the plot. And then and we said, nah, you're and I didn't do that at all. And then realized I was going to have to fucking tie this plot together on something. And so I think for me, I am more interested in the stories that have come out that each of my players have put on the table and then also the the political maneuvering between like the current Prince of London and the kindred that was the past Prince of London who is trying to reclaim that seat of power that was stolen from him. Mm. And like, I'm more interested in that conflict and seeing where, where the characters choose to cast their lot because like I was very clear. I said it in the intro of the, the first game we played of like there are no good guys in this. You were all monsters. Mm-hmm. You hurt people you to hurt stay alive, to live, and to sustain yourself. You are not good. What you do with the what vestiges remain of your humanity, mm-hmm. that's up to you. But like, do not mistake yourself for a hero, and don't mistake any other kindred as a hero either, especially the older ones, because mm-hmm. they've they've got the older they are. When you the more fucked millennia, up should they been done? Yeah, the less reason you have to give a fuck about any and everything. So I'm more interested in seeing that stuff play out. And I think after we've kind of made the round of touching on everybody's arcs, then I will ramp up the Inquisition stuff and add in the human element after mm-hmm. I have a better idea of where the kindred are at. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense like there'll be some some smaller combats and stuff where i'll use inquisition soldiers just because honestly they're just, gonna be easy just fodder. fodder but they're yeah I'm, I, it's just it's not the most interesting thing for me right now so sure. it's 
letting that play out and then finding a way to make that more interesting and in what factions get screwed over and like how do they then leverage the threat of the Inquisition to try to gain back power they've lost like stuff like that but I need Mm. other things to play out and see like what chess pieces are still on the board and who gets taken out and my character is here to kill men and fuck women yeah pretty much (laughs) does a whole mood a whole mood honestly a big ass viking woman and she's like i hate men but damn women yeah iconic (laughs) tb8 there's one man that ollie's character might be like you know what i could rally yeah there's a single one they gotta they gotta be kind of effeminate and you haven't met met him yet (laughs) (laughs) they don't know that he's still alive technically Yeah. yeah 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 oh oh okay all right, I see you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I had this thought when we were talking about um, Monster of the Week. So, uh-huh. have you seen? Have you or 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 Natalie seen the movie Bright? Yes, I have yes. not. I also haven't. You haven't? I don't think so. Okay, it's not like the plot. Plot wise, not the greatest movie. Mm-hmm. Give me like a synopsis. Like, like the, what's the, the deal? world <laughs> is literally like in that in that vein of like, what if we lived in a world where like orcs and elves. And like fantasy races existed and they just all grow grew modern along with humans. Yeah. So like there's there's like ra- ra- like mm, some racial elements in there and whatever. Uh, but like in the overarching plot, it's like centered around these two cops. And so it's Will Smith and this orc that like and like in this world, the orc races are known to be the more like problematic, like involved in gang stuff and all that. Um, but this guy, this orc decides to become a cop obviously like faces a bit of adversity in that mm-hmm. and him and will smith are partners and mm-hmm. so they start investigating some crimes that are going on and it very much like leads down a whole path of like oh this is bigger than we thought it was yeah the plot itself is okay but the world itself and like i loved seeing the little details in the back kind of thing like the elves are very rich and very it's very like modern influencer like living in high-rise apartments yeah. and like driving sports cars which makes and, sense because they live these unnaturally long lives yeah so they have mm. to and i remember well. seeing little things like a centaur cop like the horse cops hell yeah and so have centaur bikers and i was also love that yeah all these random things and i was like i remember just loving that element of world building of like thinking of like okay yeah what if these races like all Mm -hmm. came up together in a in a in a world more modern like ours like what would that look like okay Um, are you ready because you have teed me up and i'm about to pop the fuck off go natalie go go go. so be free um (laughs) you kind of touched on it a little bit we're like yes that like background world building in that movie was very like fun visually and fun to be like, oh, they did that with that type of thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Or like how he has like the the pixie that he like has trouble with on his lawn or something or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Great. But I will say that completely like sets up this topic that I've been like kind of I don't want to say like struggling with because I'm like trying to learn and like undo or like unlearn a lot of like my biases growing up as a white person of like, you know, this this issue of once you bring any kind of fantasy over to a modern setting, suddenly you're not just dealing with the issue of like, well, you shouldn't make an, a race of people that's evil. Like that's just bad writing. It's lazy. It's stupid. But like mm-hmm. now you have, okay, well now all the fantasy people are in the modern world and the modern world has all of its modern problems like yeah. racism and you know corruption and you know the cops being terrible and so like in your games 
how do you explore these themes if that's a thing your players want to do in a way that like incorporates the fantasy element, but also like recognizes, okay, if we're going to touch on this, well, this is going to bring up a lot of like actual issues that like, yeah. you know, are still, you know, people write books about them and no one has figured out like what the actual answer is yet. Yeah, we people have, have different answers depending on which side of the, you know, discussion they're landing on, right? We had this come up recently because in our world, there is the Eastie Agency. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can put in parentheses, the men in black, the BPRD, like it's yeah. just the big government entity of people that deal with supernatural problems, right? Like mm -hmm. actual yeah. problems. But because it has that like pre-existing trope of like, well, it's a government agency. Yeah. Like, okay, well, now that's a government agency with like arrest power on anybody and like full, you know, carte blanche, like go around, flash the badge and say, we're the authority here. You have to listen to us. And yeah. that pulls in the whole topic of like all of those government agencies in the real world exist on like a threat system of like, yeah, the FBI shows up in your door and it's like, do what we say. We're the FBI. You do because you're scared of them. You, you yeah. are afraid of them and the police and everything. You know, that's like how that system works. But then you say, okay, well, this is a fantasy world, right? So we want this team of like heroes. This is the good version of that. It's like, it does a good version of that fucking exist? I don't know. Right. I would like it's it to because there's like the idea of like you have supernatural crime and nobody wants crime. But like, how do you deal with crime when that is the only thing we've come up with so far mm -hmm. to like deter, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Is another armed gang. They're just another gang. So it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's so also anyway, like, this, this is just me like you've hit my nerve where I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been literally trying to figure this out. Yeah, yeah we yeah. had a whole big discussion about <laughs> like, it, like after a specific episode. Yeah, I, I what was it? I made a joke or whatever about like, well, no, how... I specifically wanted to touch on it a little bit. I had yeah. characters and PCs from the agency show up and start like questioning another NPC just because they kind of matched a description, right? Which is like mm -hmm. shitty profiling. But like yeah. people had asked for like, we want to see what the agency is doing right and what the agency is doing wrong. And I'm like, well, there are people in the agency who don't like certain other groups in the city. And they're going to be kind of shitty to those people. Here's what that looks like. Like, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, but there, you know, it, it leaves the idea of like, all right, well, but the heroes are part of this system and, you know, all cops are bastards. Like, what does that mean for the heroes who have like decided to be part of this, you know, Avengers X-Men style group of government agents? Like, you know, at that point, you can point at any hero group in, you know, most comics and be like, well, they're also operating on like a threat, you know, deterrent system too. Like, what, what do you do? You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just another version of it. It's just a different superpowered version where like suddenly instead of being afraid, you're afraid of them, but also you like treat them like a god, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Also, like for example, like I mean, in our own society, like in things like comics or 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 even modern fantasy and other things, like yeah, you're the heroes and you're kind of in almost all situations taking justice into your own hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we live in a world where we cannot do that. No, mm -hmm. yeah. like there there are laws in place, there are rules in place, and I cannot just go up and like ex execute my own interpretation of the law. No, in in a certain given situation, and like probably I shouldn't, right? Like the, probably the whole yeah. From uh, arguably, that's a good rule. Yeah, D twenty is coming out with Fantasy High, and like their third season of that. A big concept in that show is how like adventurers are violent hooligans. Like it's yeah, it's become yeah. such a trope. So it's like okay, mm -hmm. and in our yeah. world, like how does the society too, deal with that? Yeah, mm -hmm. like in our world, magic just became public. Right. Yeah. For season three, like magic's yeah. out. The the supernatural world is not a secret anymore. Mm -hmm. And so as like a, a story device, it was like, well, 
if I don't have some of the characters join the agency, how are they going around causing a bunch of collateral damage and fighting crime bosses without and then not just being arrested themselves? themselves? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, then what do you do? Like, yeah, are we now domestic terrorists? Technically, <laughs> oh whatever you know, label you want to throw at it, but it's like there needs to be some kind of like framework that allows the yeah. heroes to be the heroes or the story becomes about how they really shouldn't be allowed to do what they do or the system should allow it but the system also should be doing their job instead like again it brings up this whole thing of like well if you don't want crime how do you stop crime without you know someone without who's doing job, the crime go out and stop it right yeah and the answer to that is probably like end capitalism uh <laughs> and <laughs> community friendly break the system eat the rich but barring that because that's impossible apparently government yeah but like you, get you know what i mean immediately <laughs> it becomes treating like, a, a okay. symptom rather than like actually solving the problem which would be like a utopian you know mm. society where everyone's yeah, basic needs like, are met and t- taken care of so like right yeah. yeah yeah it's tricky it like it's- especially as someone like creating this sort of story for content where it's like if we say a thing or I take like too hard yeah. in like one direction or the other, it's suddenly it's like, oh, they have a bad it's opinion. Polarizing. Yeah. Bye. Like, well, I'm sorry. About, like, Did you have a solution for the police state in the real world? <laughs> and now yeah. make it magical and solve that problem? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And things like that is why it is important to have those conversations of like, what do we want to touch on? Yeah. Definitely yeah. in things like with Vampire the Masquerade, uh, it's like there are certain things where I've talked about it a ton on here, but there's a very good little disclaimer in the book where it's like there's a lot of horror in the world, in the real world we live in, and we don't have to drag that into our fantasy Mm -hmm. world as well. Like you can, there are a lot of things, like I love thinking about like the inherent corrupting influence of power Mm -hmm. and how that blends with immortality. And like when you have existed with absolute control for millennia, what that does to a psyche and like stuff like that is really interesting, but you have to figure out like, okay, clearly what it's up to what point are we willing to explore this? And yeah. then where are we like, you know, what are we comfortable getting into? Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. And for me, like I, I have a specific game where I'm like, I don't want to rely on the isms as a crutch to make no, someone I, bad yeah. enough to hate. I feel like there's yeah. plenty, plenty of things to work with that are much more creative and much yeah. more interesting to make a villain. But then also to your point like there's certain things i'm like if if they're like sometimes we we come to a table and like there's an inherent level of like i'm working through a thing through this character and i'm now realizing that i've like put a little bit too much of that in there but now we're here um and and sometimes we're 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 fighting a a representation of our demons at that table and it's nice to get to defeat it and like it's it's rewarding in that sense so it's like i think if you've had that conversation with your players and they know that you are using that as a device to one portray someone as a bad guy that is like a representation of this real life struggle that mm-hmm. they want to overcome or conquer um and that there's an understanding there amongst you and your players that that's an element that you want to explore in that game sure but then you, like you said you have an element that's different in the sense of like you are producing this for entertainment and that's out there and as, yeah. as we all know <laughs> especially yep. as creators when you start kind of stepping into those trickier subjects and yeah. more polarizing subjects, especially even even in fantasy, it's it, it's hard. It gets sticky, it gets sticky because it's like yes, your players have agreed to it, but then your audience may have a different perspective or have a different reaction to and certain everyone, things. 
goes over it with a fine tooth comb too, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. what the situation I described was like a very minor scene that like kind of only tied into the story as a like device to get another character who'd been like away from the other heroes, like back into the team like mm -hmm. situation. Right. And so it's the thing of like even stuff in the background of your world is making statements these days. And I, I don't know. I think there's this like growing worrisome trend of like entertainers at mm -hmm. any level you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we are still a kind of small podcast. Like we have made some cool friends and are like making cool stuff, but it's it's very much still like I don't know that our little story about gays fighting and befriending monsters is like the place for us to like solve that issue for society. You yeah. know, yeah. Anything I say is going to be not only influenced by like my own biases and you know privilege and, and things like that yeah. and experiences, but also like. I am a person who excels at taking cryptids and making them friends in a story. I am not a political scientist and I don't have yeah, no. experience in that field. Like I don't understand even really all the different intricacies and like ways that like changing one thing about it affects a million other interconnected issues and, in, you know, people's lives. But it's this pressure that exists, I think, in especially in tabletop space, especially in recent tabletop space, because the like wave of you know new players coming in in the last 10 years or so who want to diversify and add representation and make all these like positive changes to the hobby but are now also projecting like their expectations or their wishes on the people making content in the space and saying like if you don't align perfectly or don't like fully represent my like very particular views on every topic then like yeah. i'm gonna vilify you and say that you're like quote unquote not doing enough yeah. right like everyone likes to point the comparison and say like critical role is not diverse enough and d20 is way better for doing that it's like critical role never thought they were going to be who they were you know what no. I mean? and like it's not really on them for that being the case and i think they're doing a good job of like addressing that concern but yeah i also really sort can. of yeah, yeah. I, but i also sort of feel like not like upset but a little like indignant on their behalf of like are you demanding that they stop like playing together that's their whole thing like i don't know it's there's, a, there's like, a conversation to be had about where the line is between being like you know a production company yeah right like critical role because they have the manpower to do that versus like a smaller indie podcast that may have been started you know as mm -hmm. a group of friends, you know, which is again critical roles origin story, but they are now a company. Mm. It changes um, when you are a it corporation. Changes. Like yeah. Yeah. the expectations eventually change to when and responsibilities that come with that level of of notoriety and money and influence and yeah. and all that does affect things. And like yeah, I, you know, I feel like get that. I love yeah, like, you. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. same. Like, and should like should do they have an obligation to like break up the main cast no i don't think no. so but like and have they made an have they made an effort to be better about like bringing on people of different backgrounds stuff yeah they have but yeah i don't it, yeah there is that you it has to be acknowledged and it's like when you are a corporate entity that is making money from it yes there is something dehumanizing about that but you're also making money from it right mm -hmm. yeah so you can't it's kind of that like it's a there are pros and cons to both like as yeah. you grow at a certain point you will be held to different standards yeah. yeah and it's an interesting element too because it's like we're we're in an industry too that and we've touched on this before that the the dynamic at the table is so key and important yep. 
yes. to good mm-hmm. storytelling. And yes, plenty of people can make more more effort to diversify. But like in the case of Critical Role, like they all started as yep. friends in the they same voice acting industry and all that stuff. And then it yeah. grew into its thing. And they have a dynamic that works. Yeah. And to break that up would shift things to oh, yeah. a degree that wouldn't be entertaining. Would be Whereas like the Dimension 20 model, you have different seasons every few months and you change the cast out and you are you they have more more room yeah. to play also, there. dimension 20 also had like the entire bullpen of like the college humor cast yeah. with yeah. which they could select people from mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't quite the same origin story of like just friends streaming a game that happened to go like mega viral right. exactly yeah. so it's like everybody I, and i think it is like it's a transparency thing it's a like owning of like yeah, no, like we are not the most diverse cast and here's what we're doing to work on that. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. if you do that, that's all anyone can really ask. It's like people get upset when people try to get like immediately over defensive or try to explain why it's not a problem, why they're not doing that. Or yeah. It's like, no, it's like it, it can it can be both and like it can be this is actually legit in your group of friends and that's totally fine. And when you have an opportunity to incorporate a more diverse cast, do it. Yeah. And yeah, great. Cool. It's not one or the other. Yeah. It is yeah. it is a it is a hard space to to navigate, but it's also, yeah, like you said, like that's you, true of anything, right? You that's true of anything, but you you take accountability for for what you can and then do the best that you can in another like I've I've had the similar notion of like, yeah, we are also very small. But like I was taking a second to look back at like the list of guests that we've had. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, a lot of them are predominantly white. And so I was like, I had a conversation with Mariah and I was like, hey, I want to make more of an effort this year to find more creators that like are diversified and like like, highlight that. And so I've been reaching out more and doing more research and making sure I'm intentional about like finding all these good creators that are also like making amazing content and make sure that i'm being self con like self-aware it's a mindfulness it's a mindfulness yeah yeah and it's like that's the most that i can do and i mean i'm i'm a latin woman myself so i'm like that's important to me to make sure i'm highlighting all the people in the space not just what's more what's more easily available or or whatever or what the algorithm will more readily push out at the end of the day we're just all out here doing like our best you know (laughs) and you'll never please everyone no, you never no, will. No. There will like there will always be criticism and like some of it will be valid and helpful and something to listen to and some of it won't be and that is it's more true if you were like creating things that are going to be consumed by the public but yeah. it is also true if you were just a human bebopping around on this flying rock. Do- doing my best. Yeah. It, Feedback versus dunking on someone. Two exactly. very different vibes. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Be kind to creators if you're listening and are part of the like consumer community i guess like yeah we're just telling stories and talking about games and yeah like mel was saying we're all doing our best and i yeah there's there's definitely truth to what you were saying of like when you get us to a certain point it comes with more responsibility yeah i definitely agree with that do you want to drop a spider-man quote um no more than it's teen up (laughs) the point i'm getting at is like the responsibility is there and like being open to critique is important. But I think also on the other side of that coin is like there is not uh what I say, like it is not an invitation to like entitlement or mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, what's the other word I want here? Um, like, there's a there's a difference between holding someone legitimately accountable 
for like exclusionist behavior. Right. Yeah. You're raising a concern. Yeah. And then, yeah, just feeling like you have free reign to attack someone because, yeah. oh, they have a platform and all these people that love them. So they probably won't even see it. It's because, like, right. Again, right. <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. This being the like, human. this being the personality based space that it like is evolving into like yeah you can point at like critical role the framework or d20 the framework and be like they are doing xyz but then people because the show is so like hinged upon in terms of its fan base around that like that core cast. That connection yeah. to yeah. the cast members then they start directing that at like the individuals and i'm like these people are just doing their job and yet yeah. they're paying them a paycheck and yes their corporation has to like make these adjustments and you know promote diversity and lift up smaller creators but like don't don't send people dms about that don't demand that someone make a statement about a thing anytime a news story drops just because like you see them as this like figure that you look to for that kind of a thing like there are times that I I will be like looking through comment sections of some other creators yeah. that like we're friends with and stuff. And I'm like, how do people even have the time to do this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like hot take. I don't need everyone I follow to have a public opinion on everything all the time. Yep. Just like people don't. People that follow me don't need to hear my public opinion on everything all sometimes, the time. Like, sometimes there are, only there are times opinion. to take a stand and to have a public opinion. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not every time someone acts a fucking fool on yeah. the mm-hmm. which is but like sometimes every it, single day. <laughs> Sometimes it's your role to just listen, boost yep. what they're saying, yep. and just be like, I'm here and I support you, whether I like make a statement about that or if I just reshare like what you put out into the world because yeah. like oh fully. Yeah. Like you that can, can sometimes, you can sometimes use your people platform to, to boost chat. other voices and then you it, there's no shame in being like, Hey, I am I am not the person to speak on this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Fully recognize my own privilege and my own standing or my own experiences but i will help uplift the voices that need to be heard mm-hmm. yeah absolutely but like yeah, don't, sure. don't don't look to me to be an information source on this matter especially if i'm not the person that should be speaking on it again no, we're all out here doing our best, yeah. <laughs> our best. <laughs> like, that is we are trying really... to support each other <laughs> yeah truly yeah there's a lot of weird like social and psychological things where uh we inherently i think just look at people who have like a big following as oh they must have an inherent expertise or inherent awareness that we do not and it's like not and oftentimes all. like no no they don't and so especially if those homies went viral a few months ago yeah yeah, like, oh my god! <laughs> You're like that was a normal human be bopping around, and suddenly they got yeah, like a million followers. It's two to forty eight yeah. hours. Their life changed. Yeah, yeah, doing their best. And so it's like again, I mean, and this is a I will not get on a big, you know, soapbox. Yeah, we're kind of already there. You're fine. <laughs> I won't get on my whole ass academia soapbox right now. But like, <laughs> I fully lost my train of thought. And there it goes. And there goes oh, the soapbox. That was probably the soapbox what, broke I, underneath you. That was probably a <laughs> 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 sign. Oh my god! So I was like, "This is nearing lecture territory," and I don't have that dog in me right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. so fair. Oh my goodness! Well, it, the time flew by. To be real, um, <laughs> but god, dang, we we are we are for sure coming up to, on the end here. But you guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Thank you, yeah. thank you for having us. Oh um, my god. Absolutely. If you ever need guest spots for Monster of the Week, you want me to play a cryptid, I'm here. Hello. We'd love to meet <laughs> the Moth Madam. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, hey, Natalie. There. Madam. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. What were you saying, Mel? Um, I was saying there's an idea. <laughs> yeah. Moth, Moth Madam family reunion. Yes. Hell yes, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Well, give the listeners just one more time um, who you are, where they can find you. Also, any exciting projects and th- releases and things you got going on coming coming up. Oh, God. Mel, you go first. I want to Oh, I wanna God. Close. Why am I going first? I want to okay. close. I open. Fine. You, Fine. you, you, you All right. start us here. All right. If that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. She just Uno reversed me. My God. Okay. Once again, friends, hi. I, I'm Mel. I go by Melowet on most socials. I play Ariel Valentine on the Storyteller Squad. You can find us uh, at Story Squad Cast. Um, I had another thing I wanted to say after that, and I completely lost it. So you're good. Uh, beautiful. Oh, uh, tune into our third season, which is releasing very, very soon. Uh, we were just dropping a bunch of art and uh, at the very minimum, you should go follow our artist, Emery. I believe his handle is Emery underscore KJR or is it Emery KJ underscore art? Yeah. We should have Emery KJ underscore art. I got, show notes. I got it. <laughs> Please follow Emery. He deserves the world. He's a very, very skilled artist and we love him very, very much. And that's all I got for you for now. Natalie, it's your turn. All right, adventurers. We've had a really lovely time talking with the folks at Table Talk today. I hope you've enjoyed our little expose uh, tutorial short short class on monster of the week uh and (laughs) world building in the real world and some of the themes and discussions that that can elicit from you and your players because again it is it's a whole different beast than you know fantasy adventuring in places like the forgotten realms and every other elven made up word for a continent (laughs) but if you enjoyed this discussion and you think our stories about queer friendships and friendly cryptids with high adventure sounds like fun you can find us on the storyteller squad we are at story squad cast across all the major platforms we are wherever you listen to podcasts and it's been very nice to talk to you all so thank you we'll see you next time yeah thank you guys so much for listening and yeah we will see you all next time bye 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 table talk is a podcast brought to you by mythos media productions bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.